Our scripture reading today is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, reading verses 1 through to 11. I am reading, of course, from the King James Version of the Bible, better known as the authorized version, a most faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord have spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Amen. We pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. My text today is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. It reads as follows, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And I want to take up the theme today, living in the comfort of the gospel. I know the past few weeks we've been dealing with the subject of the holiness of God, and I'm dispensing with that theme this morning, and I'm turning to this other theme, living in the comfort of the gospel. Now, Isaiah 40 is a very important chapter in the Holy Scriptures. It begins the second part of the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is known as the Bible in miniature. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, and that corresponds to the 66 books of the Bible. Children will be well aware that the Bible's in two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there's 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. And of course, the last book of our English Bible is the book of Malachi, the messenger. And of course, it ends with the revelation of God's curse on man's 
sin. And isn't it interesting that the New Testament opens with the Gospel of Matthew and starts with the presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe that Isaiah 40 adequately corresponds to the book of Matthew because like the book of Matthew it has a theme of good news of salvation and a future blessing for the people of God. Isaiah 40, I believe, announces the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to intervene in the lives of his people and deliver them from all their bondage. Now, one of the key words found in the book of Isaiah is the word comfort. It is used 11 times in the King James Bible. When we read the scriptures, I've discovered there's 119 references to comfort or comforted or comforteth in the scriptures. And you can read those from Genesis right through to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And 14 of these out of 119 references is found in the book of Isaiah. And one of the best known, of course, is Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2. Now, as I look at this text of scripture, I see a a number of things that has to do with God's call to living in the comfort of the gospel. The first thing that I see in this text of scripture is the proclamation of comfort. You see, the words, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, is a command to Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet has been instructed by God to exercise a ministry of comfort to God's people. God's people needed comfort in Isaiah's day. God's people need comfort in our day and generation. This is a vital ministry that needs to be exercised. Now, think for a moment of the times in which we live. Many are reading the daily newspaper, listening to the radio, watching the news on BBC or Sky, and literally thousands are being filled with the fruits of despair and discouragement, especially in light of this coronavirus that's stalking our land. And the technical term, of course, is COVID-19. And listening to the news broadcast, many feel that this is a doomsday situation. This is a kind of the end of the world. This is apocalyptic. We've been ordered by the government, of course, to self-isolate, to stop all social gatherings in large groups. And hence, you're not in the house of God today because our presbytery had no option but to comply with that recommendation. And let's be clear, we're we're living in a fear-ridden world. A world, yes, of strife and iniquity, a world that's full of war and famine and disease, sickness and disasters and justice. A, a, A world where there's corruption, even in government circles. But this is a day, remember, when men and women are doing what is right in their own eyes. The vast majority of our citizens are living independently of God. A day when men are full of their own notions, when humanistic philosophy runs riot. Men pretend to know best. They they certainly pretend to know better than God. Is this not a day when evil is called good and good is called evil? A a day when when, when, uh, darkness is substituted for light and light for darkness? A a day when bitter is called sweet and sweet bitter? Listen to the words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe unto them. That means judgment. 
Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Now, you think today, of course, of this evil of abortion and demand that's been introduced into Northern Ireland. You think of the, the government policy and same-sex marriage. You think of the, the hedonistic lifestyle, especially of many of the young people where they're encouraged, even by their peers in university, that there's no God, that the Bible's not true, there's no heaven or hell, there's no need to think about soul or salvation. You see, many have given into despair. Many are in fear this morning. And despair, of course, is the absence of hope. And here we are this morning with many people living with no hope. They have not any faith in God. They are not focused in him. He is not their refuge. He's not their strength. He's not their Lord and Savior. And that was the times in which Isaiah the prophet was living in. And that's the times that we're living in. So here's God's instruction to his servant Isaiah. And what is he told to do in Isaiah 40? He is told to comfort God's people. Remember this message was first of all proclaimed to an exiled community living in Babylon, reminding them of the end of the 70-year captivity in Babylon, that that one day would come to an end, and they would be preparing to leave Babylon and return to Jerusalem. And to that day comes, they needed comfort, and they were to get the eyes on the deliverer who was to come. God's people experiencing comfort is dependent on Isaiah being obedient to this command. And I believe this morning one of the great tasks of the gospel minister is to bring a word of comfort to God's people. There must be a ministry of comfort. And surely that's needed more than ever today. The godly F.B. Meyer, in a book written about his life, I believe it's in the last chapter, looking back in his self-autobiography that he wishes that he'd given more time to the ministry of comfort and to the edification and encouragement of God's people in the work of God. Many of you of God's people today are passing through hard times, dark days, facing difficult situations. And these circumstances and situations have caused our hearts and minds to be full of fear. Many are in a state of panic. Many feel no hope, feel that there's no way out. And are we not living in such times? Imagine businesses closing, tens of thousands of people losing their jobs, panic buying in the shops of toilet rolls and pasta and other household items, many locked in their houses for fear of infection of this COVID-19 virus. Is, is it a doomsday situation is being presented, a day of great difficulty and, and despair. And what do we need in such a day? Well, we need to hear from God. And we certainly need a word of comfort. Someone has rightly said that there's no soul problem more common than fear and discouragement. And you see, when all seems hopeless and everything seems lost and you feel, well, there's no help for us, God calls out to our hearts and God's voice must be heard. And notice what God says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. It's the voice of authority. It's the voice of certainty and clarity. 
Remember, there was a time we read of King David in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, when David encouraged himself in the Lord. And we need to do the same. It's part of human nature to complain and murmur, to be fearful. And we're very good at it in Northern Ireland. If it's too wet or too hot or too cold or too windy, we complain about those things. But here in Isaiah, we're told in verse 9 to do something. Behold your God. To, to focus on him, to think about him, to, to gaze upon him until you perceive with, with some sort of comprehension and understanding. Remember, we're told in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and in the verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We're not to rejoice in our circumstances or our situation, but to rejoice in the Lord. Don't let your circumstances, your situation master you, control you. Let, let's rise above them. Let's lay hold on the Lord. Let the Lord lay hold on us. Notice there's a repetition here. It's mentioned twice. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. You see, regardless of the difficulties of the day, the darkness of our times, regardless even of the lack of understanding about what God is doing, let's remember this. As we behold our God, our God is on the throne. He's in absolute sovereign control. The Lord God omnipoteth reigneth. And here's great news for us this morning. He knows all about us. And he cares for us. And he has a desire for his people. And he wants to, to comfort them. He's not indifferent to us. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are creatures of clay and dust. Yes, it's true we're living in an evil day. Yes, it's true when the hearts of many are full of fear and panic. Yes, it's true that there's maybe even worse to come and more fearful times will come upon us. Yes, we're living in a world full of sin and iniquity and despair. But in these times, let us hear from God. Listen to what the Lord has to say. You see, I believe God has a plan and purpose in this. This is not by accident. This is not by chance. This is not even by karma or, or, or fate. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them are the called according to his purpose. And even with this COVID-19 stalking the land, God is a word for his people. Just like he had in Isaiah's day. And, 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 and his word is for the ministers of the church to rise up to comfort God's people. To, to encourage them to pray, to, to, to encourage the preaching of the word of God, to, to encourage genuine repentance, to, to encourage getting before the Lord. If this was a word for Isaiah's day, and it was, and there's an immediate uh, purpose in that, it's also a word for our day, a, a living word. Now, you see, I believe this morning that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. I believe in plenary and verbal inspiration. Every word of God is pure. Every word is inspired. And these words this morning are, are so encouraging. Here's the proclamation of God's comfort. Let us hear from God. Lord, what would you say to your people this morning? I want you to think secondly and quickly the particulars of God's comfort. You see, I believe that Isaiah 40 actually starts with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's comfort is a direct and beautiful setting forth of the person and work of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
He has come, sent into the world on a mission of mercy, not only as a saviour to save them that are lost, but to become the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. Isn't it interesting? It says in verse 11 of this chapter, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. And I want to say this morning that the particulars of God's comfort are bound up in our Savior and in the fact that he's the shepherd of his people. This world, of course, is no real comfort to offer men and women today. Listen to these words. Saith your God. See, God is speaking. This world has no message of comfort for those in life, those in death, or those even that would face the judgment in the world to come. The world is no solution to this fear, this panic, this despair. The world is no solution to life. Remember the Lord Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. God has, and God's comfort is in the gospel. And I want to say this morning, there's not a message in the whole of the world that can comfort the hearts of men and women like the great message of God in the gospel. You see this word comfort that we have read? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Look at your Bible if you're sitting around the table or in the living room. Speak ye comfortably at Jerusalem. We'll come to that in a moment. But that word comfort, it's wide in its meaning. And it means to repent of your sin, to be truly sorry for your sin, to be comforted in that sin has been dealt with and breathe a sigh of relief and burst into tears of joy, giving way to the depths of despair. See, this applies individually to one's experience in a spiritual way. It applies to the individual experience of one's emotions. It applies experimentally even to to mental relief. For the Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in thee, because he trusteth in thee. You see the gospel tonight? Let's understand the gospel. Let's, Let's rediscover the gospel. The gospel's bound up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's God's gospel. And, and of course, the gospel calls men to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Men must recognize their sin, repudiate their sin. They, they, they must repent of their sin. The gospel calls men to, to know God as, as their God, to be found in a personal relationship with the living and the true God of heaven. As we read here in Isaiah 40, behold, you're God. To, to know God as your heavenly Father. To know that you've been adopted into God's family. To know that you're found in Christ. Not clothed with your own righteousness, but but his imputed righteousness. To know that in Christ you've got a full and free and forever pardon. You've been absolved from all your sins. To know that in Christ you have peace with God. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To, To know God, that he in Christ can give you power. That by the grace of God you can triumph even in the midst of horrible times and and distressing circumstances. To uh, know the power of true Calvary love. Remember the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. To, To know and enjoy eternal life in Christ. The Bible teaches us he that believeth hath everlasting life. And in John chapter 3 and in the verse 36 We read these words, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. 
but the wrath of God abideth in him. Do you know Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you believed in him to the saving and keeping of your soul? Think of these words, he that believeth not. The Son shall not see life. You have no life and you'll not see life. But at this moment, the wrath of God abides in you. And I want to tell you that it's only the message of the gospel that will bring the greatest comfort to every penitent and believing soul. And every true believer who's found in Christ this morning is and must be comforted by the gospel. Let's remember it's it's Christ who saves you. It's Christ who sanctifies you. It's Christ who suffers you. It's Christ who supports you. It's Christ who strengthens you. It's Christ who supplies your need. It's Christ who secures you until the very, very day that you are absent from the body and present with the Lord and you you enter into heaven. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is not only a savior that keeps his people, that that saves his people, but he keeps his people and brings them home to glory. And I want to say this morning, this is not a gimmick. This is not a lie. This is not an illusion, not something imaginary, not not just an idea of my making. It's nothing to do with the power of positive thinking. Remember, This is, thus saith your God. And here's the foundation for true hope. Here's the foundation of true holiness. Here's the foundation for everlasting happiness. Something that must fill our heart and mind. A message that will keep you when you feel that your whole life is falling apart into the depth of despair. As I speak about these particulars, let me just mention there's the comfort of God's precept. He says in verse 2, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. If you have a margin in your authorized version of the Bible, you'll see the words, appointed time. You'll see the words, to the heart. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem means speak to the heart of Jerusalem. One time as a young minister went to see the great Joseph Parker in London. He wanted some advice. He was getting advice about preaching. Um, He was telling Joseph Parker that his sermons were making no impact on his congregation, didn't feel they were helping anyone, and it was really just all intellectual. And Joseph Parker said to him, well, I'll tell you what to do. You bring your best sermon to my church when the church is empty and there's no service on. And you preach and I will sit and listen to you and I will try and give you some help and advice. And the young fellow did that and he preached this, a very strong theological, intellectual sermon. And afterwards, Joseph Parker said to the young man, your problem is that you're preaching to the head from the head. You're not preaching to the heart. You're not preaching from your heart to my heart. And you see, God always starts with the heart. He speaks to the heart. Speak ye comfortably, Jerusalem means to speak to the heart. Isn't it interesting today? My responsibility is to preach the word of God to your heart. 
Now, every preacher knows that the Lord himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can come and apply the word of God to the heart. But my responsibility is to preach the word. Your responsibility is to hear the word of God, to, to meditate upon the word of God, to, to study the word of God, to uh, apply the word of God to your own heart. And then it's really good to read the Bible. It's tremendous that you can learn and memorize the scriptures. You can even quote it. But you must lay it to heart. Your, your mind must be engaged. Your heart must be renewed. You see, God just doesn't address the head. God addresses the heart. The heart is the real man. And, and, and the word of God gets into the intellect and, 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 and instructs the conscience. And it's the word of God that, that motivates and changes the will of man. And, and through the word of God and listening to it and applying to it, you can be brought into a living relationship with the God of heaven. The word Jerusalem here, of course, I believe, is the literal city of Jerusalem and its inhabitants in Isaiah's day. It was the main city and the capital of the land of Israel, and it was a reference really to the people in it. Um, of course, the, the Bible teaches us that um, there is a, a Jerusalem above, uh, and of course, it's a reference there in a broad sense to, to God's people. And here's the prophet that he addresses God's people, he's addressing the heart. And it's not just about information. It's not just about educating one's head. I, I, of course, want to um, edify you and encourage you uh, by seeing your heart touched by the word of God. So, so there's the comfort of God's precepts here. But also there's the comfort of God's pardon. It says in our text, her iniquity is pardoned. Do you know one of the most comforting truths in the Bible is the knowledge of sins forgiven? All our sin, past, present, and future, under the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches, his son cleanseth us from all sin. Remember the man in Matthew 9 and 2, sick of the palsy, and the Lord Jesus comes to him and said, uh, Be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee, take up thy bed and walk. And isn't it wonderful to know that your sins, which are many, can be put behind God's back? They can be put into the sea called forgetfulness. You can um, hear God saying, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And, and of course, that's an immeasurable distance, the east from the west. Sins not only forgiven, but sins forgotten. God making a promise, and, uh, and this is the promise, and thy sins and iniquities, I remember Thy sins or thine iniquities no more. We're not given account of our sin to God. Do you know why? Because they'd all be dealt with at the cross of Christ. The problem of human sinfulness is a real problem. And of course, human sinfulness has to be abundantly punished. And that's what God was saying here um, to, to Jerusalem. Um, for she have received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And the word uh, double there uh, means abundantly punished. And of course, Jerusalem and Judah and its people was abundantly punished in Babylonian captivity, at least on three occasions. But here he's telling us her iniquity is pardoned. Where is iniquity pardoned? It's pardoned through the sacrificial death and blood shedding of Jesus Christ in the cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. And of course, a sacrifice for sin has been accepted. 
And God, remember, sees sin, hates sin, punishes sin. And when he found it in his son, he punished it in him. For he that is God hath made him that is Christ to be a sin for us, a sin offering, a sacrifice for sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Someone said to me recently, it was one of our retired ministers speaking about the cross of Christ, and he said this, quoting Sam, uh, Campbell Morgan, uh, the congregational minister, that sin laid hold of love to warfare at the cross, but love laid hold of sin and won the victory. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to say with the psalmist, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done not all this evil in thy sight, that thou might be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Let me ask you, have you confessed your sin? Have you sought the comfort of God's pardon? Remember, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the great message of the Bible is the problem of human sinfulness has been dealt with through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And man can experience and know the pardon of God's forgiveness. Also, we have the comfort of God's peace. It says that our warfare is accomplished. And, and of course, that literally means the word warfare means appointed time. And, and you think of the priests appointed a time to serve in the tabernacle and then that service has come to an end or a soldier with an appointed period in the army and the, the spell of duty is now over. The appointed time has come and he is free to go. And that's the thought there, that, that her warfare is accomplished, that her appointed time has come. The appointed time to set aside bulls and sheeps and goats and animal sacrifices. They're, they're set to the one side. There's a time coming when they were put to the end. Why? Because the Savior of the world has come into the world to offer himself a once and for all sacrifice to God. And remember the Bible tells us, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the scripture tells us that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed in thee because he trusteth in thee. This is peace in the midst of the storms of life, dear people. Listen to what the Lord Jesus was able to say there. He, he told us in the um, book of John, in John chapter 14 and the verse uh, 27, he said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace in the midst of the storm, that's the thought. And you need peace this morning. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're in tears. Remember, God puts all your tears in a bottle. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're listening and you're full of trials. Well, he cares for you. He sees your heartache. Maybe you're full of trouble this morning. And I want to encourage you to take your burden to the Lord. Uh, and leave it there. The Bible says, cast thy burden in the Lord and he shall sustain thee. You see, you can know peace with God, but you can know also the peace of God that, that passes all understanding. And even in the tragedies of life, and of course God's people are not immune from the tragedies of life. We know we live in dreadful times and it's a time of disease. It's a time of death. And I want to say to you, in the storms of life, you can have perfect peace. 
And even though we're living in a world out of control, he's in control. If you remember the little story about the artist asked to paint the picture of perfect peace and one painted a lovely sunset scene and another painted a couple in love walking with their backs to the sunlight through a forest and another painted a raging sea with a rock in the middle and a little cleft out place and and a dove put in there and the billows going over the top of the rock and, and the dove safe in the cleft of the rock. Well, that's the picture. You can enjoy his peace. And that's a wonderful thing, um, even to know and experience at this time. You also have the comfort of God's presence. You see, one of life's greatest blessings is to know the Lord is with you in the onward march of life. Will he not fail you? Will he not forsake you? Will he not forget you? Now, remember, we have all this in Christ. God's precepts. God's pardon, God's peace, God's presence, God's power, God's provision. And I'm only skimming the surface this morning. We have a limited understanding to all the benefits that God has for us, not only physically and materially, but but spiritually. There's a vast, unlimited ocean of blessing that God has for his people. And these are only some of the particular ways in which God brings comfort into our lives. Let me finish this morning with the word, the power of God's comfort. It says here in our text, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Received of the Lord's hands. I want to encourage you to live by the the comfort of the gospel. Remember, Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, you might be here this morning And you might be weak, you might be sickly, you might be full of despair and fear and panic. Life is hard, you're carrying burdens, you feel you can't go on, you want to quit, you want to give up. You're saying to yourself, how can I go on? Well, I want you to to fill your mind with this. And I want you to point you to Christ. Because remember, he's not only our saviour, but he's our shepherd. It says he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And remember this morning in Christ, we stand by faith on the uh, atoning work of Christ. That work has been accepted. The, the, the great work of redemption has been accomplished. Christ has returned to heaven. That, 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 that it can be an appraised work because Christ this morning is our saviour. Christ is our shepherd and bishop of our soul. He feeds his people. He, he carries his people in his arms. He, he gathers the little ones in his bosom. He, he gently leads those that are with young. You see, here's the divine shepherd who's come to save. The divine shepherd who's come to succor his people. Maybe you're facing a tough time right now. There's tough times for our church. There's tough times for our people. What can we do? We can experience the power of God's comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak Ye to the heart, to Jerusalem, cry unto her that her appointed time is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And I present to you this morning this proclamation of God's comfort. These particulars that I've set before you that tie into Christ and the gospel. And let's experience this power. 
even in our lives, let the comfort of God and the God of all comfort come to you in such a way that you'll be brought into a new and real and vital place and that you'll give way to your fear and, and you will lay hold by faith upon the Lord. Remember that David could say, and we thought about Mr. Brave, and it's an important fact, when I was afraid, I trusted in the Lord. And that's how David lived. He acknowledged his fear, but he let them go because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord bless you this morning and thank you for listening. Now we're going to close with our um, closing hymn, hymn number 303. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me.